0: So you're in a disciple class, uh, and you, are, you have been. This is Romans chapter 1 and a couple of verses there. Paul writes, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, now he's going to describe this, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged By each other's faith. I'll I'll just stay on your handout for a moment. Because we're talking about spiritual impartation to impart. Spiritual impartation has been misunderstood by many religious groups. While there are misuses of the subject, there are great benefits for those who have a clear biblical comprehension of it. All blessings of inheritances were conveyed through impartation by hands. Men laid hands. Jacob laid hands on his sons. Isaac laid hands on Jacob. Abraham laid hands on Isaac. Kings were anointed. Samuel laid hands on both Saul and David. Authorities were relayed through this impartation. However, just as Pharaoh's magicians mimicked the wonders of Moses, they they had some water and made it red like blood. They had, when Moses threw down his rod, it became a serpent. They threw down something it made, became a serpent. We don't know if it was true or not, but it didn't really matter because Moses' serpent ate up all the rest of them. And then he picked it back up and became a rod. So, Just as Pharaoh's magicians mimic the wonders of Moses, so too spiritual impartation must be found upon the scripture. Because impartation can happen at any level of life that doesn't make it spiritual. You can impart things to people. In fact, you can impart horrible things to people. There can be an impartation of false doctrine, false concepts, bad examples and that doesn't make it spiritual. So the Bible, the scripture, is, is the foundational uh, book, if you would say, the, the, the litmus of all spiritual impartation. So let's talk about it a little bit. I would offer to you three false conceptions of impartation. Number one, superstition. <clears throat> when you talk about spiritual things, you, you open up a door for people to have superstitions. And superstitions are very prevalent in religious circles. And I'm not talking about biblical circles, but people believe themselves to be very spiritual. People are very superstitious. And People love uh, superstition. So an impartation, if you'll touch me, I feel something. Or if you'll impart something to me. Or people will say, I'm going to impart something to you through their words. And, and it is a superstition. This is not something new. that has been going on for thousands of years. And it convolutes truth um, and, and human spirits. Every once in a while those human spirits will even open the door for demonic spirits. So there can be people who are kind of uh there well Brother Huddeger says it correctly. He says that uh he passed as he's pastored two churches and he had some wonderful people, but every once in a while somebody kind of superstitious would walk in and he said light attracts bugs also. So uh I don't know why he said that. I think that was terrible of him to say actually, so I don't very funny so um, sometimes people uh, want to they're, they're very superstitious someone just told me that 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 they have a relative and and they they really love the Pentecostal faith but but they decided to buy a rosary and and nail it to the wall because they didn't want to leave anybody out and uh, so now they have a rosary this they, they just covered all bases well that's superstition and when we talk about impartation, superstitious or superstition, uh, superstitious people can be very much engaged in this. And that's kind of where we become engrossed in personalities. You should write next to superstition a personality or personalities. This lends itself to particular people laying hands on you. I would like to have a particular person pray for me because they're powerful or because I trust them or because they're close to God. Um, This is an uh, anti-New Testament concept. And it was, it it had its birth really in, in the mid 200s in the third century because Catholicism did not begin in the first century but clergy and laity, the operation of of uh, of the scriptures being taught through latin and and a repression of printed material gave rise to professional religious men and so thus you 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 saw if you're, all, all of my historians will know you saw in the in the in the 300s and the 4th century here you saw a rise of the commoners and the religious orders, and then they flourished for the next fifteen hundred years. Gutenberg changed the concept of personal relationship with God, because before Gutenberg, Bibles and printed religious material was very minimal. But when the Gutenberg press came out, and Bibles became in mass, people began to read it for themselves, and that uh, that. Gave, gave a flourishing, it, it, it made Christianity flourish in areas where there were not churches and buildings. And so today, we're looking at that maybe a little differently because when the early church was birthed, they did not believe that Peter had more power than Mary Magdalene. He was just appointed as a disciple and apostle, but the women and the men both had power Both, as we found out historically, and through the amount of people baptized in the day of Pentecost, which was 3,000. And the only way they could baptize them was baptizing them in the many mikvahs that lined the southern wall of the temple. Men and women were baptizing those people. So, in those days, there was not this uh, adherence to a specific person. In fact, when Peter was caught in prison and was released... He was trying to think, where, are, where would the people be gathered? I know, John Mark's mother's house. That lady always has powerful prayer meetings, and he went to her house and knocked on the door. So, today we have superstition, where we don't think that someone can lay hands on us because we don't believe in them. Well, I just, I have very, very bad news for all of you. Anyone who has filled the baptism of the Holy Ghost has the power... And the authority to pray for you that you could be healed. Because the Holy Ghost, God is no respecter of persons. And no one has different levels of the Holy Ghost or different spirits. You have the power to lay hands on me. I have the power to lay hands on you. And our children that are walking around here praying, they have the power to lay hands on you. A lot of our young children, young guys that are in the front, they can lay hands on you. And you, if you'll catch them during prayer and worship before they go back to their pew and fall asleep, they may help you and you can be healed. Because they do, they get tired and they just fall asleep in the front row. It's okay. Um, but so, so we have this idea and that, that idea, that first line there, that is why people run after popular preachers hosting particular revivals. <laughs> I got to go to that one because not I can be healed. Well, the same God That may meet you there can meet you right here on Wednesday night to heal your body to touch your life What what you did is you boxed him in into a place that only he can exist when in reality He exists in all space and all time in him. We live and move and have our being I believe that not only he is he not a respecter of persons, but he's not a respecter of the place He even said to david. I never asked you to build me a temple I dwell in temples not made with hands. So I would just say, be careful before you think, listen, I don't want you to pray for me. I've seen this happen. Listen, I don't want you to pray for me. I'm going to to that guy right there. They're going to pray for me. Really? So it almost even is a disrespect of the Holy Ghost that's operating in the people. This doesn't go over, over everywhere because we've idolized the personality. But the personality is not going to heal you. I may have a, a, a particular personality. I'll let you be the judge of that. But that personality is not powerful enough to heal your body. The Holy Ghost has is the power to touch your life. You pray in the Holy Ghost. Maybe this is why Paul said, I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you. Were you baptized in my name? No, you were baptized in the name of Jesus. So, impartation... Spiritual impartation is a design of the Holy Ghost, not of the personality. Here's the myth. Let's go to a myth. So the false conception of impartation is, is that it's a myth that doesn't really exist. Now, this is not true. It happens all the time. Because, see, people that, that walk carnal, I, I, I think that probably some pragmatist is good. Pragmatism is good. I'm glad for all the illogical, analytical people. I think I have some of that in me. I, 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 I want to have my feet on the ground. But I also know that, that some of this that we deal with is really, in fact, maybe all of it is kind of a, it's a supernatural thing. I don't know how we even got here tonight, except that the Lord called us. How, how, how are we, how do we have the faith to do this? Because the Lord gave us the faith. And so, so you, you can't walk by sight. You walk by faith and not by sight. So, so, the, the reason why people think it's a myth is because carnality enters in. And they don't think that God is real. And they, they, they have to have proof that the Lord is here. Um, but I believe that, that those of us who believe in the Lord and have faith in God, we have to realize that there is an impartation that can happen. It happens sometimes in the service. It happens in conversation. It happens in prayer. It's not a myth. Number three, a false conception is unfounded belief. It's unfounded belief. Now this is a little bit different than superstition. Because as I began, the Bible gives us the ingredients for impartation and we'll cover it. And so we have to have belief that's founded, things that are founded. Amen. I would love to give you a lot of examples right now on unfounded belief, but suffice to say, I suppose maybe it's, it's my whole life growing up in the church and watching people gravitate towards things that have nothing to do with God, but they love to relate odd occurrences with the Lord. And so they don't, it's not found on the word. It comes out of their own mind. And, and strange kind of beliefs happen. And so someone says something to them in a grocery aisle. They believe it's the Lord and it's not founded on the word. They read a fortune cookie. This has happened. I read this and they said, they didn't say it to me, but they said it to a pastor. I read this and I just really believe that we need to move it's it's, it's it wasn't an impartation it was an unfounded belief didn't follow the plan of god didn't follow the biblical order of god okay first corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 we're back to that chapter that's talking about spiritual gifts now about spiritual gifts paul writes brothers i do not want you to be ignorant You know that when you were pagans. Everyone say pagans. Somehow or other you were influenced. And led astray to mute idols. Of course all idols will be mute. He's making a point. Those idols carved brass. Gold. Wood. Stone. They're not going to talk back to you. Or as the prophet said. Perhaps Baal is asleep. Maybe he's on vacation. So. You cannot really understand verse 11 without verse 12. So you got to understand verse 11 to get verse 12. Now I want you to go up to the top of your page. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Now look at verse 12. That is, he's going to declare what that was. Paul is not giving out spiritual gifts. I want to impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong, some, not a specific one, that is, that you and I may mutually encourage, be encouraged by each other's faith. So I'm, we're going to talk about this. And when you get down to verse 2, then you have to consider Paul's opening remarks right before he introduces these nine supernatural spiritual gifts. They were dealing with Pagans, they were coming from a life, a, 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 an existence that they could gain power from specific or individual gods. All right. This is, I might have taken the long road, so let's just go to verse four. There's Paul said, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God. Works all of them in all men what is what 's happening here? Anyone see it? Do you see different kinds of gifts here 's the clarity of the source i got to declare it he 's declaring the source first Corinthians chapter twelve verses one through six he 's diffusing mysticism it's it 's the diffusing of mysticism because The pagan gods that were mute, those were mystical things. Number two, he's addressing the many different gods with different powers. He's living, this is a Hellenistic society. Greek mythology is prevalent. Mars Hill gives us a great insight into the gods. And even Paul would write, I I perceive that in all things, he said, you are too superstitious, Paul said, to the men, Athens, on Mars Hill in Athens. And why was that? Because gods were prevalent. So they had gods for different things. They had, they had the God, sun god. They had the rain god. They had, the, they, had, they had a healing god. They had a water god. They had the, the flood god. They had all these gods. So he's saying, remember that you were pagans and you were, you were led astray by these nonverbal, dead pagan Customs, idols So Paul, he's giving clarity, source. and what is the source? Different gifts, same spirit. Different services, same Lord, different working, same God. Very careful. And number three, Paul was a strong proponent that there was only one God. There was, he, he was trying to make sure that they understood, so he says the word "same. Same spirit, same Lord, same God, same different gifts, same thing. So you've been looking for this God to provide this power or that God to provide this gifting. But this God that I present, Paul said, gives different gifts, but it all came from the same source. So Paul was engaging in impartation. He was imparting to them the knowledge of spiritual gifts. But he did not have the power to give someone tongues or interpretation. He did not have the power or the authority to give someone the gift of prophecy. But he was imparting to them the knowledge of these things so that when they were together, they would mutually encourage each other other by their faith what was happening to them. And that was Paul's impartation. Of course, there was a lot more than that. And we get to it now. See, impartation is not not just a mystical action. Although it it may seem that way to the carnal mind. But there are levels of impartation. I I know that, that I've sat at the feet of great men and women. And they imparted to me truth. I've sat... At the table, my father and mother's table, while great missionaries, men and women, powerful people sat there, ate my mother's pasta, ate her bread, talked about the things of God. Those moments as a child growing up, it was nonstop impartation of wisdom and truth. And the first thing That we address in impartation is teaching. Everybody say, teaching. Teaching is that first level to be taught. It's to educate or inform. It's a new thought. See, to teach is to introduce something that was not there before. Here is what Deuteronomy says And what nation is there so great that have statues and judgments, so righteous as? all this law of course the answer was none which i set before you this day only take heed to yourself and keep thy soul diligent lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen and lest thy, they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life but teach them thy sons and thy and thy grand your grandchildren so what you've learned you have to pass along that is the beginning part of importation it would be terribly sad for you to grow old and die and never tell the testimonies of your life to your children or grandchildren. The perpetuation of the apostolic doctrine, or any doctrine for that matter, is the relaying of the historical facts. When any nation erases its history or wipes it out, they have a very bleak future. Because they don't know where they came from. They don't know how they arrived there. And so chances are they will repeat the mistakes of the past because they never learned the past and didn't know what it was. In fact, some nations have fallen victim to worse things because they never heard what happened. Now listen, if you go down this road, there's a big curve. You won't see it. You'll come up too fast, there's no signs, and if you don't slow down, there's a big, there's a big S curve, you'll, you'll, you'll wreck. Okay, how do you know that? Because I've been down there. Has anyone ever had an accident? Yes, many people have had accidents. How would you like to have that knowledge? Because if you don't have that knowledge, you're gonna drive down that road, you're gonna run off the road, you're gonna have an accident, why? Because someone by you knew the information but didn't share the information. <laughs> how deep do you want to go in this? You want to go deep th- deeper than that? Because if you don't teach your children how to have a strong, healthy marriage, they'll think it's a throwaway thing like a red Solo cup. And they won't know. Hey, listen. Some of you ought to know because you've gone through horrible situations In relationships and you know the pain and devastation of divorce. What you do is you don't hang your head and say, woe is me. You put your head up and you say to your kids currently right now. Don't go down that road. When you get married, you love them for life. You never quit. You serve God. You have a higher power over you. You lay. Why would you do that? Because you're trying to save them from something in the future. How about all of you who've been years ago before you came to God. You had addictions of alcohol. Or pornography or whatever the issue is or was you ought to teach your children how about credit card debt (laughs) I think Taylor my niece Taylor was maybe eight or nine I can't remember that it was somewhere before she was 10 she she got grandpa's mail out of the mailbox went inside grandma's house gold card application and filled it out and they sent her how many scotty three gold cards three credit cards in the mail they want to give you that can you imagine a 10 year old with a gold three gold credit cards Mm -hmm. what we're not doing today is we're not telling so when terry broadstreet introduces and said hey listen or maybe it was tico go to we're going to do uh, peace university dave ramsey stuff it's a 13 week course it's a hundred dollars people think oh i can't afford that how am i going to afford that and go to starbucks <laughs> right. so what we've done is we're not teaching our children it is an impartation of truth look if you found the lord last night And you, you are here now and you're ready to start your life over. Don't use your past mistakes as a rebuff from teaching other people where you went wrong. Well, you know, I I don't want to tell them because I I had a problem with that. Well, for God's sake, tell them there's a, there's a, there's a bend in the curve. They're going to die. They're going to have an accident. If they run up their credit card, there's going to, they're going to have trouble. If they engage in this kind of behavior, it's going to hurt their marriage. If you buy, if you get happy with Amazon and you love to see the UPS truck come every day, chances are you're in trouble. I just saw it on your face. Many of you people are just, please, Pastor, stay away from that. pay, stay away. Mm-hmm. You're lonely, so you push the Amazon button. Your package is on the way. So, teaching it is the introduction of a new thought. Listen, if you don't ever have a new thought, or you're not challenged on the old thought, you're in big trouble. It means you're not learning. And if we're not learning and growing and teaching, this is even the Bible says that the older women should teach the younger women. This is a this is an impartation of truth. Because people have gone through things, and you need to teach this and deliver it to everyone you can. Everybody in this church. Should impart truth to someone else. Amen. Are you ready for the next one? And then the second part of this teaching is to bring understanding to a thought. So it's not just a new thought, but you have to have understanding to it. So let's talk about it in the scripture Ephesians 1 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding. Underline that the eyes of your understanding. Being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of your calling. Ooh, that's powerful. What the riches of the glory of his inheritance to the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. That's three things. According to the working of his mighty power. Here's a description. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all and all. I tell you, Paul left nothing out. This, if you go back up, this is a spiritual impartation of understanding of the thought that you will be enlightened, you're going to know, What the hope of his calling is. That's your hope. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance. That's heaven. What's the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. That's resurrection. According to the working of his own power. So. This is a. Education. And a. Understanding. Of the thought. And what is the thought? The thought that you could be saved. And here's why and how. And who he is that saves you. He has everything. He is above all principality and power and might and dominion every name. His name is powerful. Everything is under his feet. He's the head over all the church. The church is the body. The fullness of him that filleth all in all. The church is the body. This these are understand scriptures of just pure understanding to give enlightenment to you. This is what you're doing here. You are serving the Lord. He has all power. And you're serving Him because He gave you resurrection power. He's provided a heavenly home for you. And you serve someone who is the head of all the church. And you, we, are the body. So teaching and impartation gives understanding to the thought. And finally, it acts as a guide through demonstration. So it's not just a thought and an understanding of it, but it's a demonstration. Here's a couple verses. The Lord said to Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee, and thou shalt command the priests that bear... This, this is how he's going to do it. Go to the Jordan River. It's flooding. The season's flooding. Tell those men, those priests, to carry the Ark of the Covenant and go walk in the middle of that and stand. When they did, their feet touched that water it rolled back like it did... During the Red Sea. You shall stand still in Jordan. And the people walked through on dry ground. It was a demonstration. God imparted power to Joshua through the Spirit. And it was a demonstration of that power. When the waters of Jordan rolled back. So to teach. God was teaching something. Here's Acts chapter 3. Right after the day of Pentecost has concluded. We don't know how much time has elapsed. We do know that Peter and John went to the temple at the hour of prayer and they did what they normally do. And they saw a man who was lame and he asked of them money, alms. And Peter looked on him and Peter said, finally, silver and gold have I none. Here's demonstration, but such as I have. Demonstration. I'm going to give you In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So this acts as a guide through demonstration. Amen. There's impartation that wants to come to this house. And there will be people, I don't know if men or women, but they're going to come here and they're going to be used in in a powerful prophetic scene and it's going to be impartation. And I'm trying to prepare the church for it. Um, Because when those men that hold the office of a prophet walks in here, they're going to impart some things to us. And there will be demonstration of the Holy Ghost. I'm ready for it, but I want you to be prepared for it. Number two, there's impartation through preaching. There's a lot of different kinds of preaching. I'll just offer two of those types of preaching. Preaching is divine inspiration of the Bible. And faith preaching is the impartation of belief or imparting belief or raising the level of faith. So some preaching is to raise the level of faith. We preach the word, the miracles. Signs, the wonders. And that raises the level of faith. It's an impartation of faith. Almost always, almost always comes with the anecdotal story. The, the, the description, both biblical and current story of miracle signs and wonders. So when you impart faith through preaching. It, it raises the level of faith in the building. There's another part of impartation through preaching, and that's doctrinal preaching. Jesus preached doctrine. In fact, when he was through instructing his disciples, they ended up calling it the Apostles' Doctrine. And the Apostles' Doctrine was the doctrine of Jesus Christ. So he did that through his preaching, also through his teaching. Doctrinal preaching is imparting truth. Brother Lejeune often talks about doctrine as the bones. The bones of the body. And the bones actually make the blood. The doctrine actually makes the blood. And the Lord gave us doctrine. Anyone who says, let's put aside our doctrinal differences, that, that creates a blob of a, of a, of a meeting, congregation, or, 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 or group. You, you have no form without your bones and you have no blood without your bones. So anyone, any anytime you hear this, it's happening all the time now. It's on a regular basis. I was shocked the first time I heard it 20 years ago, 25 years ago. But anytime you hear people say, Just put aside our doctrinal differences we'll worship the Lord. I, it is impossible to put aside my doctrinal differences. That's like politicians talking about personal or private faith. It's an oxymoron. There is no such thing as private faith or government intelligence. There's a lot of other things. We'll just leave it. Jumbo shrimp. Okay. Uh, That's an oxymoron because the doctrine gives us the form as to who we are worshiping. I don't know who to worship. There's a lot of worshipers out there. The doctrine tells me what his name is. God hath given him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, if things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. That's the scripture. So what is the name? i gotta ha- I got to have the doctrine. The Bible says the whole family in heaven and earth is named after that name. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. It's the name. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other, none other name under heaven. Given among men whereby we must be saved. The name. That's what they said to Peter and John. In, in what name have ye done this? Did we straightly command you not to teach in this name. So doctrinal truth. In, doctrinal impartation. Preaching. Imparts truth to people. And. We need to hear preaching. We've got to have the preaching in our lives. Because there's passion in that and there's truth in that. Number three. It's imparting authority. Even positions. So this impartation is to transmit or confer authority. And it happened many times. I've only given you one example here. Joshua the son of Nun was full of the spirit of wisdom. Why? For Moses had laid his hands upon him. And they listened to him. Just as they did to Moses. Because there was something conveyed through an impartation. That was a spiritual movement. It It was the spiritual movement. The people... Listened to Joshua like they did to Moses. That is an incredible thought. This is the transfer. This has happened a few times in, in, in the last 10 or 15 years, I suppose, where a pastor retired and the next pastor came in and that senior elder pastor prayed for the younger pastor and it was an immediate and I've heard these wonderful stories, it was an immediate conveyance of authority. And the people adopted the new man just as they did the older man. But I've also seen the opposite of that where the, the pastor wanted to impart and tried to impart, but the people did not receive it. I've also seen the other side where the older man did not want he was still around, but he didn't want to give up authority. He didn't want to give up his place. So he hung around, snarled, growled. So this wasn't a good transfer. It was a bad transfer. There was no impartation there. The correct way is that there was a spiritual impartation, a transmitting, a transferring, a conveyance. And it happened there when Moses, you've got you to understand that, that looks, that, that scripture almost looks Benign. But you have to understand who this was. Moses brought them out of 430 years of bondage. Walked with them for 40 years. Did miraculous signs and wonders. Water from a flint rock fed them. There was a cloud. God gave Moses, not Joshua, the measurements of the tabernacle. All utilities and all the utensils in the tabernacle. Moses led them across the Red Sea. It was Moses that said, the enemy that you see today, you'll see no more. Moses did all of that, not Joshua. Moses went on the mountain, had to put a veil over his face when he came down because he had spent so much time with God, his face glowed. And he, and it was too bright to look on. Moses handed them the tablets of stone and established them as people. Moses drew a line in the sand. Not Joshua. Moses drew a line in the sand and said, who's on the Lord's side? And the Levites said, we are. And they took up swords and killed 3,000 of their brethren because they worshiped the god Asics, the golden calf. And danced naked and had immoral activity and forgot about Moses when he was up on the mountain with God in Mount Sinai. Moses did that, not Joshua. Not Joshua. Joshua didn't do any of that stuff. In fact, in his youthful days, Joshua was little, he was kind of snide. Because God said to Moses, you need help. Moses said, I, I, I'm burdened down. And God said to Moses, get 70 of the elders. I'm going to put your spirit inside of them. Bring them all into the courtyard. And they all came except for two. Two guys, they're out doing work. They're elders in the community. 68 came in. Did you read this in your Bible? 68 of them came into the courtyard. And God was going to endow them with the spirit of Moses. And Joshua said, oh no. Oh no. They didn't come. Those two guys, they're out. They're not here. They're not going to get your spirit. And Moses said to Joshua, would God that all of the Lord's people were prophets. And God gave those two men that didn't get in The same spirit as Moses. See, Joshua, he was growing. He was learning. But he didn't do all those exploits. But there was an impartation. It was a spiritual impartation. And Joshua completed exploits after the impartation. But the people recognized a spiritual conveyance. From Moses to Joshua. And it was astounding. Mm -hmm. It's a very difficult thing. It's a very difficult thing because we're enamored with the person. We, they, they were enamored with Moses. And I, I would assume that that's why, that's why God buried Moses himself. So that people would not know where Moses was. Had they known where Moses was buried, chances are they would have made an idol or a statue to him. How do I know that? I got one clear picture That they were so engrossed with the personality of Moses that God desperately needed a transfer of power, an impartation from Moses to Joshua just to stop the idolization of Moses. I got one powerful example. Because 700 years later, something had to be destroyed. (laughs) They all wanted something from God, you know. You know how you pray for things you shouldn't have? God gives it to you and then you get sick. That's kind of what happened. They're all sick. They're kind of dying. God says, make a bronze serpent, wrap it around a pole, and lift it up and walk through the people. And everybody who looks up at that bronze serpent, they'll be healed. It was, a, it was a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, "Nine, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Even the Bible says, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. Moses lifted up the serpent, they were healed. 700 years later, they still had that bronze serpent, and they were worshiping it, and they called it Nehushtan. And when the prophet came, he realized they had made a tool that God used into an idol, and they broke it in pieces when the prophet came along. That's how I know that had Moses been buried in a proper place, all the people would have made shrines and idols to him. There had to be a conveyance. Why? Because it was never by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not about a man or a position. It's not about some personality or some kind of talent. It was always about God. And the spiritual transfer had to happen. It had to be a conveyance of spiritual power and authority. By the Lord, it had to be that way. Amen. I'm just teaching here now. A number, letter B. Are we on letter B here? A spiritual transfer. This is a spiritual transfer. Came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, now please read this carefully. Ask what you want from me. I'm going to be taken away from you. I'm going to be gone. And the younger Elisha said, I pray, I want a double portion of your spirit. Now, can we just put it in modern terms? What would you like from me? I want to be twice as good as you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. I doubt that. That's a hard thing. Thou hast asked a hard thing. I don't know, that's kind of impossible. I'm pretty good. Nevertheless, we'll put it to the test. If thou see me when I am taken up from thee, because that's going to take some spiritual insight, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, you don't get what you ask for. That's that's a, a difficult proposition. And it came to pass... As they went on, they talked. Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire. Now, this is an incredible supernatural spirit. Outside of Enoch, we don't know anybody else that walked with God and was not. And the clouds parted, and the chariot of fire and horses of fire. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. He saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in pieces. But guess what he also took up? He took up also the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. I won't go through this whole thing. But other, other young prophets were there. And they didn't see him go up. And they didn't know where, Eli, where, where, the, where the older prophet Elijah went. But Elisha knew. That was a spiritual transfer. If you see me. You'll, you'll get what you ask for. And sure enough. If you go back and just do the numerical count. It pretty much looks like. Like Elisha. Doubled the amount of miracles that Elisha had, Elijah had done. He had the mantle. Of his. Of his teacher and his mentor. It was a very spiritual movement of God. But it was not something that the older prophet gave the younger prophet. It was, it was only by the grace, mercy, and authority of the Lord. Because spiritual trans uh, transactions and transfers, they happen through the Holy Spirit. They happen through the Holy Spirit. They don't happen because I want you to be spiritual. They happen because... Because you've seen something or God has opened your eyes to something. Shallow, the shallow mind, the shallow Christian, the people who, who really... They don't have a walk with God. They have a walk with religion. They have a walk with a church name. They have, they, have, they have community, but they don't have a walk with God. They have a difficult time seeing spiritual depth and spiritual things. People who idolize folks, they... If if that person falls from grace or has some flaw and you find out they have some flaw, then your faith is devastated because you put your faith and trust in an individual. Trust me when I tell you, many people have are not serving God today because they had such faith in somebody and they, they superimpose God on the person and the person failed and they said, well, God failed. God didn't fail. The individual failed. It's a it's a carefully it is the balance. I, I know we have to have leaders and I and I think we ought to have respect and I I think there are authorities that God gives, but my faith is in the Lord. I have a wonderful pastor, I have a wonderful mom and dad, I have a I, I have wonderful bishops in my life, but my but my faith is in God. My respect is for the man and for the person that God and for the position, but my faith is in the Lord. And I've had good friends. When I was growing up, I had two good friends. And they were older than me and they were powerful men and both of them fell from, from grace. And I, I was hurt when I was young. I was hurt because one had an affair in his wife and the other went back to drinking. No one could believe it. But, I, but my faith was still strong because ultimately it was not about them. It was about God. Now, I, it hurt me. It hurt me. But I knew that I had to have faith in God. So when I talk to you about spiritual impartation, it is a work of the Holy Ghost. I want you to be spiritual. I want you to be powerful. I want you to be prayerful. But all I can do is deliver it to you. I cannot force anyone to do it. I'm here giving you direction. I'm here every service giving direction for people's lives. But there's something I cannot give you. The old old prophet came about the king, Elisha. And the king was young. And the king looked at the old prophet Elisha. He knew he was in his waning years. He lamented, the Bible says. Or he was wounded in spirit that the prophet was going to pass. And he, it appears that even the king would, would have wanted the prophet to say something over him. And so Elisha said, grab your bow, pick up your bow and your arrow. And the king did, I don't know where they're standing, it looks to me like there's a window there or they're on top of some building, perhaps the castle or some great wall. And the old prophet wraps his arms around the king and gives, and they pull the bow back together and the prophet gives direction, shoots the arrow in a particular place. That's direction, he gives direction. He has his arms around the young king. And they pull the arrow back. And then the prophet stands back. And he says, now pick up those arrows. And the young king picks up the arrows. And the prophet says, smite the ground. And the king, the young king, takes the arrows. And he strikes one, two, three, and lays them down. And the prophet says, had you struck the ground four or five or six times, you would have had complete victory. But because you only struck the ground three times, you're not going to have complete victory. You see, I can give you direction, but I can't give you passion. I say you break all those arrows on the ground, have great passion. I can point you in the right direction. I can point my own children in the right direction, but I can't give them my passion. The prophet is going to pull back. the Here's where you should go. Here's how you should go. Go that place. You've got to get to that place. But to get there, you also have the victory. You also have to have passion for the Lord. Passion for the Lord. Great passion until everything in your life is consumed by the things of God. Amen. Amen. I want to impart something to you. I want to impart truth. I want to be counterculture. I want to impart doctrine. I hope even our spirits can rub off on one another to do good. I've always prayed that our youth groups throughout the years would have a peer pressure opposite of the peer pressure to do wrong. They'd have a peer pressure to worship i like to have the same peer pressure in the church. There'd be a peer pressure, if there's any pressure, it'd be a peer pressure to do right and love God and be dedicated to God. I, I, I'd, like to, I'd like to have in part this idea that we can learn and love it just the same way as we shout and love it. I'd like to have a body that loves the Lord and eschews evil and 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 follows God and despises the things of the world. I want to impart something to you, but I cannot give you a passion. I'll impart ideas of purity and separation, but you've got to have a love for the Lord. See, I can't love God for you. I can love him for me. I can impart a way and a direction, but I can't love the Lord for you i can't even I can't even worship for you, although sometimes I say that I do, just my wishful thinking I can't worship for you, I can't give for you, just having a little thing all the churches given to a certain fund, maybe it's mother's memorial or something and 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 you know, nine out of the ten churches will give, and one church won't give anything. And 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 you know, the direct all these directors would like to have a hundred percent participation. And sometimes the directors will give fifty dollars on behalf of that church. It's not really, it's not really a hundred percent, you know. But it looks good on paper. It's not, it's not really a hundred percent. They didn't really get involved. They weren't really there. I'd like to have a hundred percent. What, what difference would it make if, 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 if we knew the truth, but we didn't act on it? What, what difference would it make if we had all the knowledge, but we'd have no passion for God? It would just be somebody who is filled with, with, with the details and the facts, but no love for the Lord. So all I can do is impart the direction for God. You got to have the passion. And I, I challenge all of you, whatever the arrows are, you pick them up and you beat them into the ground until they break. You do it six or seven or ten times. Whatever it is, you serve God with all of your heart. You never look back. Whatever it is, you love God with all of your heart. You never look back. All I can do is impart this to you by my words, but the actions have got to be yours alone. What I would say is, let's get on fire. Let's, let's serve God with all of our hearts. Let's pray that God would impart to us a supernatural transfer of the Holy Ghost. Yes, yes, yes. I'm hoping that my own children are feeling something in our home while we're reading our Bibles and praying and, and the days that we're fasting. I hope they're realizing this. Just about, Alexandra went on a fast. Somebody got in the youth and they were talking about giving, I think it was Brooke Kochfar. She was, she was teaching the young people and Alexandra came home. She was so convicted, she went on a four-day fast. And, I, and, and I, was, I was convicted about her fasting. So I said, I'm going to fast with you. I, I'm, en, I'm enjoying that impartation. There's, there's, but, but everyone has got to decide with, for their own pathos. You could, you're the only one who can exchange passivity for pathos. Right. You're the only one who can decide. Jesus is Lord and I'm going to serve him. He's the Lord of my life. You're the only one who can decide that. Nobody can force you into heaven. No one can force you into power or joy. You've got to decide, here's what I'm going to be and here's how I'm going to do it. And I'm giving you just an arrow to point you in the right direction. Paul would later write in the same chapter, after the things that I read to you, he would write, covet these spiritual gifts. Earnestly covet them. Pray for them. Pray for the spirit of wisdom, the word of knowledge. Pray for it. Covet it. Do you want that? Do you want to have the gift of faith and the gift of miracles, the working of miracles? Would you like to have that? Would you like to have the word of wisdom? Wouldn't you love to have a supernatural gift, the working of miracles? Wouldn't it be awesome if God could use you in tongues and interpretation? I'll tell you how you do it. You call on God. And then when we get together, we're going to talk about the powerful impartation of the spiritual gifts in our lives. Amen. Everybody said amen. Amen. The Lord is good. The Lord is good. I'm thankful for the word. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the sweet people that have come to hear this word. I pray that you bless this entire congregation. I pray, Lord, for a great, mighty revival. Let every person who's lost their way come back to this house. Let every person who does not know you, let them find you in Jesus' name. I'm praying it in Jesus' name. Let all the people be blessed. I pray for homes and marriages and families. I pray right now, Lord, that you would grant them Sweet spirits and peace and joy, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Everybody said amen. Please stand.